Welcome to Rough Drafts, how God writes his love in our stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell. And in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They're just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. So today's show could be in two languages, but I'm hoping it stays in one because uh, today's guest is bilingual. She she is a Spanish teacher up at Creekwood. She is a mission trip leader uh, of mission trips. She's done a bunch of them. Uh, she is crafty. She knows how to crochet, and she has even undertaken the task of trying to teach my 10-year-old how to crochet. So she's either insane or has the patience of Job. I'm not sure which. Between all those things, I'm really excited for you to get to spend some time today with my friend, Bethany Quinn. Bethany, welcome. Hola. Oh, oh, you show it off right there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's all the spent queso. Yeah, that's that's Taco. a good one. Mm-hmm. Dos. Gracias. Trace. Yeah. Okay, I'm out. Titus <laughs> has got a few of those too, so hola and adios. So you're saying that I have the Spanish vocabulary of a 20-month-old. Yes. Okay. Yes, good job. Wow, I'm really feeling <laughs> good about myself. Well, this is our podcast, mm-hmm. and um, I am really excited because you've got a lot of stories, so let's just cut to the chase. What's, what's your God story? Oh, man. You know... It's crazy to look back and see God work. And I wish that I had the foresight to see it in the moment. Um, But unfortunately, that's not usually how life works. And so I look back at my time in in between zero and 18, really. Um, And I remember I went to FCA camp when I was in high school. Fellowship of Christian athletes. Mm -hmm, Yes. Um, I was the girl president. They had a guy president as well. And I got to go to FCA camp. And of course, coming from a Church of Christ background, like it was brand new to me because that was really the first time that I got to really interact with a whole bunch of different denominations and people who believed slightly variation, slight variations of things that we believed as well. Um, and it was just really eye opening to me, I think, more than anything. Um, but we were sitting down in a little huddle with our little cabin group and the leader started talking about testimonies. And I was like, I don't. I don't have one. And I, and I literally told them, I was like, well, I don't have a testimony. And she, and she told me, she said, that's okay. Like we need people who have been faithful throughout, you know, their life, like that in and of itself as a testimony. And I didn't really think much about it. And then, um, when I went off to college, I was supposed to go to Freed Hardman. I was going to room with my very best friend, Allie Godwin. Um, and I followed a guy to Austin P. Um, We had been dating for a couple of years. We were, um, we grew up together. I mean, you know, just in those few short years. And I was like, you know, I like Austin Peay. I visited Austin Peay. I was like, there's so much to do. It's so nice. Um, And I was like, I'm going to go to Austin Peay. Well, then we broke up. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go back to Freed Hardman. I'm like, so excited. Freed Hardman. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Well, then we went to an AP day or something where incoming freshmen could, prospective students can come in and and visit the, the campus and mom and them came with me and they were like, you need to be at Austin P. Like it has got so much for you, so much potential there. And we went to Freed. We did the Maroon and Gold Day um, and I loved it too. But I was like, there's just something about Austin P. that's still calling me. And so I always make the joke that Austin P. I, I went for a boy, um, but we didn't even make it to Austin P. So you know. it is what it is. Yeah. Let's go pee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was. How can you turn down a cheer a school that has that as the fight song or the cheer or whatever? Yeah. No, it's, you know, the stories you hear, man. So I, I ended up still going to Austin P. Um, and I kind of thought, I don't need to go to Freed. Like, I have a great relationship with God. I don't need to go to Freed and, and keep that up. Like, I, I can do it on my own. Famous last words, right? Um, and so I, but to be fair, I do think people put like a lot of pressure sometimes on young people to do the Christian college thing as if the Christian college is the savior of your faith. And I don't, yeah. Well, and yeah. And I think again, the turning point for me looking back was the money and, you know, don't, don't let money stop you from doing what you want to do. But 
it was like, why would I go to a school that's going to get me so much in debt, even with some of the great scholarships that I had? And I remember there was a time where I asked him, I was like, is there any more money that you guys can give me? And the person was like, well, how much more are you wanting? You know, like 500, 1,000. I was like, more like 5,000, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then that was it. Cause I was like, I can go to Austin P for free. I, how can I turn that down? You know, there was, so it wasn't just one thing specifically. It was a lot of little things that again, I think led me into that direction. Um, I got into the leadership program there. Um, and that was a really big, that was one of the biggest things too, because I found out in February and I thought I had tanked the interview and I was like, there's no way I'm making it. And I did. And so that really was what was like, okay, that turned the tables over to um, Austin P. So anyways, I get to Austin P and I'm like, great, I'm going to do big things, you know, because I come from Creekwood where I did all the things. Um, yeah, you were student body president, you were senior class president. I was um, in Interact club officers and all of those things, FCA president. You had like a 5-0, didn't you? <laughs> No, but I wasn't the top 10%, you know, Um, I did all the honors classes. I did all of those things and I worked in the office. I was on the school board as the student representative my senior year. Um, And so just a lot of things. And I thought, okay, that this is going to be the same, you know, and it wasn't. Um, And I remember thinking my relationship with God is strong enough to be able to do this. And I struggled. That freshman year, I felt so out of place. I felt like I didn't have anyone. I didn't belong. Um, I got into a relationship that was not good for me. Um, it it was very detrimental to my self-esteem and just the experience that I got as a freshman. You know, it's this time to be yourself and be independent and I just couldn't with that relationship um and so that first year was probably the hardest of my life and I look back now at the woman from FCA camp where she's like you know we need people you've got a testimony and I'm like well now I really got a testimony (laughs) because I I just struggled I didn't go to church anywhere um I came home just about every Sunday to go with my mom um, to the church that they were going to at the time. And I didn't really have a relationship outside of that, you know, and people would be like, oh, we haven't seen you and thought you weren't going anywhere. And then, of course, self-esteem would be like, well, that's of course you would think that, you know, and then that just kept pushing me further away. Um, And it was all my own doing. Like uh, there's things that I look back now, I'm like, I could have done so much differently and I didn't. Um, But I finally got out of that relationship. And then, you know, Tyler came into the picture. So that's a whole different story. Um, that was the story of how God has been punishing you. Right. With Tyler? I don't know. Um, no, you know, I, I was thinking before we came in here, there's two things, two paths, I guess, that I feel God has truly called me down. And one of those was that first year in college where I lost God, really. Um, I didn't have a relationship with him. I didn't feel close to him. Um, and then the other side of that was the mission trip that I went on right outside of high school and then how that propelled me through the rest of my life till today, really. Um, because in 2013, we were, I was offered an opportunity to go to Nicaragua with a church out of Chattanooga and it was me and one other guy in the youth group that went with a couple of older members, um, some adults and we went down there and I said, I can't talk to these people. <laughs> yeah. Like, and if you knew me in high school, like that's not something that I'm used to. Like, I love talking to people. I love being able to, you know, hear their stories, talk with them. How can I help? Whatever it is. Like, I just want to be able to talk to you. And I couldn't. And I'm sitting there playing with these, these kids and I can't understand them. They can't understand me. We can barely, you know, get out jump rope and just because I'm showing them and the charades that we talked about um, in the Honduras recap, you know, those things. I was like, I don't like that. I need to be able to speak to them. And so that was something that really started my love of the Spanish language. And, you know, I had Spanish in high school. I took it um, the two years that I needed to, but I really wasn't interested in it. 
it wasn't until I went down there and I saw them and realized, hey, I want to be able to talk to you. I want to be able to help you and do whatever I need to to show you God's love. And I don't feel like I can do that adequately without being able to speak your language. And so um, throughout my college time, I was taking college Spanish classes. Um, I didn't major in it. I wasn't going to at the time. I had several different majors. I changed it like five times. I started out in English. I applied with English degree. And then I changed to business. And then I went to occupational therapy, which was like, I think psychology for a hot second because you don't have OT. Um, But I wanted to do that because I was like, I can do fine motor skills and work with kids here and then maybe take some time off to do mission trips. Because after that first one, I was hooked. Yeah. Like it, I just had the bug to travel and help and do what I could. And so um, that was one of those things. I was like, okay, I can do stuff here to help people and then use time off to be able to go and help as well. And so OT became a thing. Um, and I had to take psychology. And then I was like, no, I don't really want to do psychology. I'd rather do the um, human health and performance side of things. And so I went that route. And then I was like, I have to take physics. Yeah. And I said, I can't take physics. <laughs> can't do that. Um, and so I really was like, well, here I am. Like, I guess I'm just going to get this human health performance degree and figure it out later because I'm in almost year three at this point and don't know what I want to do in my life. And that was when um, I was still going through and getting a minor in Spanish. And I was in a 3000 level class with one of my all time favorite teachers. And he spoke nothing but Spanish to us. And that was the first time I'd ever had that in college or otherwise. An immersion class. An immersion class. And I was like, oh my goodness, I don't understand anything. I remember going straight down to my teacher and um, like my one of my other favorite teachers in the Spanish department. Really all of them are great. Um, and I was like, I didn't understand anything. I want to change my major to Spanish. Because I loved it that much. Yeah, that's it was not the direction that sounds like I, I didn't know. understand anything. I know. I would like to become a business major. Yeah. yeah. No, I, the challenge, I loved it. It was a puzzle to me. Um, and again, looking back now, I'm like, why would I want to do anything else? Like, I love it. And throughout that time, I'm going down to Nicaragua. Um, we went for several years and I could see my degree working. I could see the classes paying off. Um, and so I went back in 2014 and they put me in registration that year. So 2013, I was in benevolence where we passed out clothes and stuff. 2014, I go <laughs> and they put me in registration and I am being laughed at by the pharmacy people because the pharmacy people could not read what I was putting on there for their names. So they had bags and when they would register, we would write their name on the bag. They would take it through triage. They would take it to the doctor they would take it through the eyeglasses, um, the dentist, and then they would end up in the pharmacy. And the pharmacy would take that bag and fill it with prescriptions. And then they would call that name out. And they couldn't call out the names because I didn't know who they were because of the way I spelled them. So I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Then the next year, I got better. And then the year after that, you know, I got, I was better. I was interpreting at that point. So it was just really cool to see the classes that I was taking, the money that I was spending being Having results. Yes, yes. And and so that was just a really neat experience. Um, and I know at one point, um, one of the last years, uh, Papa Todd was there and he found a girl while they were doing ministry. So they would go out and that they- That sentence didn't sound weird at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm going to listen back and be like, oh, that was dumb. <laughs> kind of like the Honduras trip where I said something and y'all laughed at me. We would never do that. No, of course so, not. So Tom picked up a girl. <laughs> yes, more or less. Um, when they were doing their little um, outreach program, so they would have people go out and um, just go door knocking. And when you look like us, it's a lot easier to go in there because they want to know what you have to say. And that's literally what they told us. They were like, because we're here, we're down here and we're from the States, they want to know why we're here. There's they want innate curiosity. Yeah. They're like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And so they they would be more likely to let us in and talk to him. And he found a girl who was trying to learn English. Um, and she went to school or she wanted to go to school. Um, and it was it would be like 
two or three hours by bus to get to the main city where she could go to school to do like English classes. Um, but she couldn't do it because she had to work. And they did like the paletas, like the um, ice cream and things like that. That's how she made her money was going on her bicycle and selling um, ice cream and treats like that um, around town. And of course, she couldn't go to school because she needed the money and the time that she would have to go. She needed to make the money, you know. It's poverty. You can't get out. Exactly. And so um, we ended up going over there and just talking with her because she was about our age at the time. And we used the Bible to help her with some of her English. You know, we read some of these to her. We talked with her. Um, and then we ended up raising some money for her as well to try to help with the cost of that. Um, and I don't really know what happened with that. Um, but I just know that, you know, that was something just really interesting and that I had worked hard for the past three, four years. Like that's what I wanted to do with my life. You saw your Spanish stuff make Mm -hmm. a difference. Yeah. And that makes it a lot easier to go to class, memorize vocab, read the papers, Mm -hmm. write the papers. Yeah. And even now as a teacher, like it, it makes it worth it, right? I mean, not only am I getting to go down there and help, because that's what I wanted, right, was to have a job that would let me help here somehow and be able to still go down and do interpreting or help however I could in Central America when I had the time as well. And so for whatever reason, though, I was stubborn and did not want to teach. And even when I changed my major to Spanish, I told them I wasn't going to be a teacher. You know, again. Here you are. Yeah. Again, I wish I could see these things when they're happening to me, but I don't. You know, but that's the thing. Like, you can't see. You can't see it until yeah. it's happened. And nobody can see it until it happens. And, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I'm thankful because I love what I do now. I love teaching the kids. I love being able to bring a piece of those Spanish-speaking countries to them. Um, you know, I have a bunch of pictures in my classroom and none of them are pictures from a textbook. None of them are pictures that I printed offline. They are pictures that I took or I'm in. And one of the reasons for that was because I wanted to be able to, when they see those pictures and they think, wow, Miss Quinn, like, where is this from? Do you know where this is? I can tell them because I was there. Yeah. Yeah, I know where that's at. It's in Guatemala. It's in Panama. It's in Honduras. Like, I, it's a really cool story. You know, I've got the statue of Jesus from the... Um, hurricane that they talked about in Honduras and I can talk about how they she donated that money to um, build the statue and all of that stuff so just things like that that they can see there's a world bigger than Dixon County and you know helping helping anybody but especially teens in high school Mm -hmm. recognize that the world is bigger than them Mm -hmm. you know that I read this study a while back that a surprising number of people never in their lives venture further than the county in which they live and the ones immediately adjacent. So, you know, 10% of the people in Hickman County mm-hmm. have never been further than Nashville or Jackson or have been to Memphis once. And, you know, uh, you can be a good Christian person and never leave Hickman County, you know, okay. Yeah. But when you realize how much bigger the world is and that there are other people and that we're all the same, even though everything's... Mm-hmm. A little different yeah and I think for me it's more so um and I, I try to explain this and I try to explain this again in the Honduras recap so if you haven't listened to that you definitely should because it's really good um but I want these kids to realize that yes America is great and we are blessed spoiled um even um but that doesn't make those other countries any less beautiful or worthy of God's love and I think that is crucial to understanding the world around you. Like, again, we are a very blessed nation. We have an abundance of stuff. But just because they don't have those things doesn't mean that they're less than or that you shouldn't want to go see them. Like, I think sometimes we have the mentality that um, it America's the greatest country ever and everybody else is awful. And it's like, that's just not, not that case. That and so I try to... I want them to see that we are blessed. I want them to see that there is poverty in these places and sometimes extreme poverty, but that's not all that they are. Yeah. You You know, know? I I wish, I wish our parents in particular who have not had that experience could go and see um, kids 
who are so young, Mm -hmm. who are washing the clothes by hand, who are building things with machetes at the age where we're still cutting their grapes. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do some of that stuff, but like it, it reminds us that our way of parenting is not the only way and that there are some pros and cons. Right. Uh, Man, I want so bad to keep my kids from experiencing pain, but, um, I think you said on the trip, you know, there's something to be said for doing dangerous things carefully Mm -hmm. or something to that Mm -hmm. effect. You know, we have put pool noodles around the sharp edges of everything in our life, both literally and metaphorically. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of our kids have never been to the funeral home because we want to protect their feelings. Mm -hmm. And there's a place for that. And I'm not making fun of you if that's your decision. But these are kids who are watching the dog on their street starve to death. Mm -hmm. Um, and while I hate that they experience that, they have an understanding about life that we tend not to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was probably a bad choice of examples, but you know. They're... Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think there's, again, the dangerous things carefully is something that I heard and I love it. And I try to make sure Titus understands that. So, you know, we have a little jungle gym, makeshift jungle gym in our living room. Because I want him to understand, you can climb things, you can jump on things. Now, does he hit his head in a normal amount of times? Yes. He also, though, is off the charts in his head. So I think his you body is not, well, and I think his body is not proportionate. So sometimes he falls because his head's so big. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, that's what we're putting it on. Uh, that makes sense. And I'm very clumsy as well. So there's a, there's a show on Netflix and I actually haven't watched. I just watched the trailer, but it's in like Japan or, or one of the, the East Asian countries. Um, where they send little kids on errands across the town. Yeah. Um, and like Americans watch it and just have strokes. But like they have three-year-olds go navigate the subway. And, you know, when I went to, to Europe last summer, you know, the first day or two, it took all of my brain power to navigate the subway. And I had Google telling me yeah. what to do it every step. <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's just interesting, that perspective. I think sometimes we sell our kids short. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, speaking of the subway, I, when I was in Spain, like that was my favorite thing to do because I felt like I was so cool being able to navigate the subway. So I would just start walking because we were in Madrid for three weeks each time and I would just walk. And then when I got tired, I would find the nearest subway and then try to find my way home. Oh, that's but I was like 18 years old. So it's not as not as cool. That's also the plot of Taken. But okay, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Tyler wasn't a fan of that. I don't even think he knew about that until recently. Well, what, a year ago. You didn't end up trafficked. It's 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 all right. Well, let me um, let me walk back a little bit. Mm-hmm. You talked earlier about you kind of had two defining God traps in mm-hmm. life. One is what these mission trips have done, and the other was the difficulty of that first year mm-hmm. of college. Um, if it's okay with you, let's let's dig in there a little bit um, because you, you described several things. Um, you experienced being a big fish in a small pond at Creekwood, mm-hmm. who got moved to a larger ocean, mm-hmm. and that's disorienting. You talked about um, uh, church was difficult because it was kind of a Sunday thing and people said things, you interpreted things, that was difficult. Mm-hmm. And you talked about a guy in your life that was less than helpful mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, help me a little bit with, um, you were the youth group mascot. <laughs> okay. Like you were, and I'm not trying to yeah. be cute here, but like you were the kid in the youth group that there were other parents who said, why aren't you more like Bethany? Like straight up. So I'm not criticizing that. Right. What was it like to go from that to lost puppy? And how did you find your way out of that? I will say that probably made it 10 times harder. Yeah. Um, there was a book that I had started to read um, that was called Grace for the Good Girl. And grace was such an awkward topic for me. Like I didn't understand it. Um, and that's just the nature I feel like sometimes of our denomination so to speak like we just don't really know how to talk about it so we don't and that was very difficult for me so I thought I had to do all of these things and I still wasn't going to be good enough but maybe if God was having a good day he would let me into heaven if I died on the right day you know or if I died doing something that I that was godly you know if I died on a mission trip then yeah he'd let me in and if not well hope I wasn't caught at a party you know because then he wasn't gonna let me in Um, And so that aspect of knowing I had all of these people who expected so much of me, whether they realized it or not, um, 
that was that was a lot. So anytime I was doing anything that I knew they would not be proud of, it multiplied the guilt and shame. And I just kept feeling farther and farther, farther away from God. And there's this thing about guilt and shame. Sometimes we think that if someone feels guilty, they're going to change their mind to do better. And while once in a blue moon that happens, usually it means we withdraw further and mm-hmm. further because we want to hide our guilt. We, we want to cover our shame. And that's exactly what happened. And at that point, I was like, well, I tried, God. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, I tried and now I'm too far gone. So I guess this is it, you know. And so then it just kept going further and further. And I got to the point where I was like, I mean, I don't know why I'm sitting in church because it, there's no point. Like, I'm not going to be allowed in heaven according to what I believed or I thought I believed. Um, And I was angry. And again, all of this stuff, I say this, it wasn't me. I was the problem. I I was the problem. It wasn't the things that I talk about. Um, But these are the things I was thinking at the time, if that makes sense. So, like, I was mad because there wasn't anything for the church on campus. Well, none of these churches in the area are doing anything on campus. Like you have this whole campus, this whole college, you are in a college town and you are not doing anything on campus. And there's something to be said there. You know, they could be doing stuff. They could come on campus and pass out flyers or, you know, have a Bible study once a week. But again, that's just where my mind went. And so that was my excuse not to go look for those things. And again, I had a guy that I couldn't stay in my dorm. Um, it was very, never physically abusive, but emotionally abusive, emotionally restraining, um, among other things that just were a lot. And you never think you're going to be in that position. And a lot of people don't know that. Like, this will be the first time they hear of me being in that type of relationship. Because I, I knew you through this whole period. Mm-hmm. Of time, I, I knew you from the youth group. I probably met you when you were in upper middle school, if I remember mm-hmm. right, but all through high school. We just got a notification that we actually have been friends on Facebook for 13 years. Oh, have we really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't ever look at that part of Facebook. So, so since I was 15. <laughs> okay. There you go. Um, and, um, you know, basically I, I, we've had some degree of contact mm-hmm. this whole period of time. Uh, your mom sometimes sent goodie bags through Leslie at work to you, like stuff like that. And I always told Leslie, she said, add inappropriate things to those goodie bags and two thought they came from her mom and it was just real confusing. <laughs> but she never would do it because yeah. something about being a good person, I don't understand that. Oh, we love her. Um, and one of the things that I noticed, you were confident, you were a leader, you were competent, you you were a lot of really good things. So when you brought this up to me a few months ago and told me part of this story, um, it, I don't want to say shook me, but it's like, Good grief. People that I thought I knew mm-hmm. are going through so much stuff and we're not, we're doing something that makes it hard for them to tell the story and get help. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I genuinely, like, I remember when I was, again, in high school, I thought I was, I thought I was so, I had it all figured out. You know, I didn't. And so when I work with them, I'm like, you don't even know, honey. Like, yeah. you know, and I'm working with them now and I'm working, I really think that. God has called me back there because I can be of help. Um, there's been several um, students who have come to me and opened up about things that I went through, not necessarily in high school, but in college or otherwise, that I've been able to help them because of my experience. And so I know that he turned it for the good. Um, but at the time, I couldn't believe that I had put myself in this position. Um, I remember that I would, you know, want to Again, the the guy would not let me um, stay in my dorm. He was fearful that it would, the reason would be that we would fall apart and then we would break up. And um, I would be like, no, like I need to go stay in my dorm. I've got an 8 a.m. I had five 8 a.m.s because I thought that was a smart idea. Um, That's the dumbest thing I've heard on this podcast. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, again, that freshman mentality when I'm like, I can do it. I got later and I had to go to high school. Exactly. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, and I remember like he would just drive me around Clarksville until I got so tired that I would be like, you've got to take me back. Like, I just got to get sleep. Um, and so that's kind of the stuff that we were, um, controlling. Yeah. And the thing is, is I didn't realize that wasn't okay. I didn't realize that that was abuse because he wasn't hitting me. He wasn't 
he was not he was nice to me. He was always wanting to be around me. I remember I was in a sorority um, position and we had to have meetings every Sunday we met, but then once a month we would have our executive board meetings where we would have the advisors come in and everything and it would be several hours. Um, and he would be texting me, well, how long are how much longer? Like, you need to hurry up or like, come back, just leave, whatever. There would be times that I um, would ask him if I could go out with my girlfriends. You know, again, I'm in a sorority. I have girlfriends. I'm like, hey, like, they want to go eat. Yeah, that's fine. And then he'd be mad. And I'd be like, you told me he was okay. And, and he's like, well, you should have just, you know, whatever. And so I didn't realize. Cutting you off from friends. Yep isolating you, Mm -hmm. making you feel guilty for doing anything Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you say it from this perspective, again, looking backwards, and what sucks is, like, whatever your mom knew of the situation, I don't know if she did or didn't. Not any. Like, honestly, it wasn't until, I think, well, whenever we did the run, um, the DMD run, I really told her specifically, you know, in detail, like, here's what happened. Um and we didn't have time to really talk too much about it. But before that, like, she didn't know. I think she probably knew a little she more than I thought. Yes. Um, but I don't think she realized to what extent. We we hide this stuff. And any of your friends who could see it happening knew this wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. But when you're in it, you can't see it. Well, and I didn't have friends. And I was able to really, especially if, you know, he came back home with me, I was able to hide it pretty well because we weren't in, we weren't up in Clarksville. Um, my friends were off at Freed. They they were doing their things. Um, Mom didn't know again too much because at that point I didn't go home as often. You know, I came home at the beginning, but then towards the end of the school year, like I didn't come home at all. Um, and if I did, he was with me. And so it was, no one saw it because we were able to kind of compartmentalize, so to speak. Um, but then I listened to Mom's podcasts. Um, I was like, man, mom went through something similar. And we, I didn't even know. And I'm like, she could have actually been really useful. She probably could have helped me um, get out of that situation a lot faster if I had just opened up to her. If we had shared. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny. Part of what she shared in her part podcast, and Martha was what, the third or fourth? Yeah, she's just really. Um, she had not shared with hardly anyone. Mm-hmm. That was news to to you guys. And you know, she talked to you guys about whether or not, do you want to talk about this before you hear it? Do you yeah. want to hear it? And like, I think y'all all voted, we'll just hear it when we hear it, you know? Because yeah. that's just our mentality, right? We'll just figure it out on our own, figure it out on our own, you know? And and that's not anything because of what mom has said or done. Like, it's it, just... It, this is not a criticism no. at all. It's it's how our family works. We tend not to talk about serious issues. Most families don't. I would say it's a Christian issue. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I genuinely would say that it's it's a church issue. It's... I don't want to bother you with my stuff or I don't want you thinking any less than of me because I want you to think that I have it all together. I want the Matthew Hyatt's to see me as, you know, this still this great girl, because if I tell you that I did this stuff, these things that happened or that I was in this relationship, you are going to think less of me and I can't have that. That's the lie we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. I like people 10,000 times more when they are real and they are who they are instead of trying to put on a resume and, and impress. You know, it's funny. I get calls every week from somebody who says, I don't want to bother you, but those are never the people who bother me. Right. <laughs> ever, ever. You know, and, and this isn't about me or you. Right. It's kind of a, uh, a religion-wide thing. Like, mm-hmm. um, I remember Jeff Coons one time got onto Glenn Buffington. Uh, Glenn um, broke a hip when he was in India, and it was a big, hairy deal. We had to fly him back first class because... Oh, wow. like he couldn't bend his leg and first class from India costs more than my vehicles combined, probably. I mean, yeah. it's 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 kind of nuts. And Glenn didn't want it. And, and Jeff had to kind of say, remember, we tell people all the time, you need to be willing to accept help. That applies to us, too. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. that's a good lesson. Yeah. And, you know, I so I left that. Rela- well, it took me a while to leave that relationship. I had to that remember the night before it was May. The night before the trip, before like school ended and we were going back home for the summer, uh, because again, at this point I lived in the dorm, so I was supposed to go back home. And I remember I told him, I said, I do not like you. I do not want to be with you. And he was down on his knees, like 
holding me there. And I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, why do you want to be with someone who does not like you? Like, I was so fed up. So anyways, he was very like just adamant that I was going to say, I was like, okay, whatever. And and he was like, well, are you still going to come back home with me? Sure. And he lived in East Tennessee, spend the weekend there, come back home. He drops me off. He tells me he's back in East Tennessee. And I said, okay, it's over. And that was the only way that I could break up with him um, because of that reason. And I remember telling God, I said, do not, for all that is good in this world, give me another guy unless it is the one I'm going to marry. <laughs> I can't because handle this anymore. I, like, I couldn't. I was so broken. I was I was like, I don't want it. If, if you don't want me to ever date again, then have at it because I am done with this. Um, and... At this point, Tyler and I were really good friends. So this this happened at the end of May 2014. And Tyler and I met in 2013 on the admission trip and instantly clicked as far as friends go. They went to Hillmont for church camp. I went out and visited them. Um, I remember in November, I was dating the um, the guy that I ended up, you know, having all this stuff with. And they played Austin P played Tennessee Tech where Tyler went to school and I was like hey like I'm so excited like I'm coming up there we're gonna go watch the football team like you should come um the boyfriend's family was gonna come and visit as well and we were all gonna meet up my parents his parents all that stuff and mom even asked me she said what are you gonna do if Tyler shows up when you've got your boyfriend's family here I'm like I'm gonna go hang out with Tyler I haven't seen him in months like I miss him so much you know and just Here's your side, by the way. Yeah, right, right. But obviously not, because guess what? It didn't happen. So he ended up not showing up. Um, and that, Tyler. Tyler, yes. Um, turns out his grandmother um, had passed away uh, around Thanksgiving because it was like that Saturday before Thanksgiving. Um, or no, maybe it was a Saturday before. I don't remember. But we ended up talking for five hours on FaceTime. And he was up in Ohio with his family. And we talked again for like five hours while his grandmother, after his grandmother had passed. Um, and it's crazy to think about now because I talk about her and I'm like, I was th- like, I was in his life. Yeah. You know, and I was there for him in that time of of grief and sorrow. And I didn't even realize it um, and how influential that would be six years later, seven years later when they're talking about her. It was just her heavenly birthday um, two days ago. And I'm like, I remember being there for you, you know, and that just was really nice. Um, so anyways, he doesn't come. We don't talk much at all until towards the end, right about May, right before we're about to go to the trip. Because honestly, I wasn't going to go on the mission trip in 2014. Um, boyfriend was not a fan of it. He couldn't control you overseas. Mm-hmm. And so it was literally, I remember I Facebook messaged somebody I don't know if it was Doug or Papa Todd and I said I need to go on this trip and it was like February so I mean literally three four months later I was like I need to go on this trip like is there any way that I can still go and they were able to get me in um and when I broke up with him you know Tyler was obviously there as a friend nothing really more and then it was like I can't wait to see you like I miss you um and then we saw each other for the first time in a year at the airport at like 5 a.m. Um, and the rest is history. Did y'all like grounded towards each other in slow motion? His it felt like slow motion. Is, you know, flowing in the wind. <laughs> There's an ocean nearby in the airport. Well, I was really hoping because I was really hoping, honestly, that we wouldn't, that we would meet in Nicaragua and that would be the next time we'd see each other. And then he told me that his flight was the same time as my flight. And I was like, so we're going to meet at Nashville Airport. Like out of the places that we met and then ended up getting engaged, I'm like, the first time I see you in a year is at that airport. I mean, there's yeah. nothing more romantic than watching Tyler walk through a body scanner and <laughs> got to town and search for explosives. And then run to the run to the aircraft because there's like fifty of us between White Bluff and then the Harsville Pikes group, like that they had. There were fifty of us running because we were all late because it was really busy. Surprise, surprise. So they were all running to the airport. So let me ask this question. It's kind of a, between these two things. Um, when you did these mission trips, particularly these 13, 14, mm-hmm. this time period of life, I think it's interesting. You weren't in a great place spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 
maybe surprises people um, to think about doing mission work when you and God, um, I don't have a word for it. You're not estranged. Right. But we're not talking at the moment or we're just catching up every once in a while. You know, so the, the worst version of that, I could say, well, that's hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people say that, but I don't like that. I mean, isn't everyone a hypocrite? Well, yeah. <laughs> but what I love yeah. is the act of doing this thing. It sounds to me turned out to be more spiritually formative yeah. than almost anything you've told me about in your story. Yeah. I mean, because I could have not gone. I could have said, well, I'm not where I need to be. But I think you're never going to be fully ready to do anything life-changing um and so going on those trips was really just a saving grace for me um outside of all of the work that we did just being able to focus on God for that time was almost like a breath of fresh air for me 10 days in Nicaragua was like 10 years of Sunday school except better (laughs) you know I, I mean the the intensity of what you experience when, and the thing I don't think people ever understand until you've done this stuff. Okay, in Church of Christ, Baptists, Southern conservative American churches, we don't do life together. Mm-hmm. Um, we we kind of look down our nose at those weirdos who live in monasteries. You know, like mm-hmm. we're not called to be monks; we're called to be in the world. But what I notice in the story of Christianity is that people were together doing life, and so the reason mm-hmm. that church camp is so impactful. And mission trips are so impactful to the people who go on them is this is usually our first experience sharing life with Christians. And being vulnerable. Yeah. I think that's, you know, we talked, obviously, like that's what this podcast is, is being vulnerable. Uh, I just taught a class with the high school girls um, that was about where your heart go, when you're, where you go when your heart is open. And one of the things that grows love is being vulnerable and allowing yourself to be deeply seen. Um, it didn't say just to be deeply seen, but allowing yourself to be there. And I think that's a huge piece. And so, you know, our first trip was to Rama. And I think that's probably why Tyler and I have such a deep bond is because when we first met, we were truly vulnerable. I mean, we were in a hotel that did not have good running water. We had a um, PVC pipe with a little connector that turned down and never had hot water. Um, It came from the roof so when the rain would come through they would use that and then they'd hold it and then when you have the entire hotel in a place that is very remote they're not expecting to have all of the hotel rooms booked up and so you're washing your hair you're suds up and next thing you know the water goes out and you got to wait until someone runs up there with jugs of water to pour it down and then make its way through so when you have that when you don't have a flat you have a just a flat sheet to sleep on some of you have fans in your room and that's all you've got in central america heat like you realize that it's not about oh i look the best i have great makeup on i have the best clothes because i was wearing scrubs that were from goodwill because that's what was going to be the best for me um when i was doing those trips and stuff so having that stripped away and not having to worry about that um, really allows you to be vulnerable without trying too hard, honestly. Yeah, it, it's, you don't have to because you don't have another choice. Everybody right. is uncomfortable together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think how different would your college of experience, college experience have been if three weeks into your freshman year, there had been something that had caused you to pick up the phone to Allie or pick up the phone to mom and say, I feel alone and I don't feel like I fit in and I don't know who I am. And then you have that conversation where, where mom says, oh, man, I remember feeling that way, too, you know. And I think just a quick caveat to Allie. Um, I'm going to cry. Oh, my gosh. Allie's not going to make me cry. Um, she was always one. And even now, like we talk consistently every day on multiple platforms. Um, she would phone me in on Clayton Chapel singings. Like she would just call. And if I didn't answer, she would leave me a voicemail. And gosh, I'm crying. Oh, this is so embarrassing. Um, no, it's okay. We're being vulnerable. Stop, I know. <laughs> stop. We're talking about being vulnerable and practicing it. It's okay. <laughs> you know, there's nothing embarrassing. We have to normalize this moment. Yeah. Now, the problem I have is being this nice to Allie because that's not our, <laughs> our relationship. Ours is more abusive. Yeah. Yeah. No, it just, she didn't know it, obviously, at the time, but that anchored me almost like, this is where you come from. 
like this is who you are not who your boyfriend says you are not who your sorority sisters say you are not who your professors say you are like this is who you are this is what ignites your soul so to speak um so I just really appreciated that of her and I don't think she ever knew that it meant that much to me uh, but it did so and what is like she didn't yeah that wasn't rocket surgery man I mean she she called you yeah and she let you listen to singing the youth group songs that you loved yeah that's pretty cool so it just anchored me it really did so I mean you know and you say imagine how much different my high my college life would have been like um but again going back to that hindsight looking at what God has done I don't think I would have changed it no no because I hope I can help others who are going through that and that is enough to make it worth it absolutely to be able and that, again that's why I'm a teacher like I see girls and guys who are who are kind of heading that way or they're doing things and I can be like look girl I was there like here I had this boyfriend they they are all about finding the boyfriend and I'm like you're not going to find it in Dixon County like you might but there's more out there and fish in a better pond yes and and so I, I tried to like explain that to them um and if I didn't have those experiences if I truly did just have that that bland not bland testimony that I talked about at the beginning with FCA when she asked me about my testimony I said I don't have one because I didn't yeah. so to speak at the time yeah air quotes yet um but now that I've got it like it's so powerful and it's so much more powerful than anything I could have said or done or any bible verse honestly like me being able to sit down and say here's what I have gone through and I still have a relationship with God at the end of it you may be in any part of that you may be at any spot in that timeline of a story similar to me but see that there's light at the end of the tunnel you know if you compared your faith today with when you were the youth group mascot it is richer deeper fuller more meaningful than it ever was when you were fca president it's real i think that's it was real to me at the time yeah um, well, we're not disparaging that because that was a right. good place to be. I thought that I was good, but good is not real. And real is not, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like good is not real life, so to speak. And so I was like, oh, I've got it all covered. I've got literally covered up. You know, if I do something that I'm not uh, proud of, I can cover it up. Um, I can act a certain way. And that's what I really gained from all of this is again being vulnerable and being real is going to go a lot further um it's why i love working with the high school students you know here at church and then the college age um specifically because that's where i needed it most and so we have a decent sized college group here we have a lot of college age kids and i don't want them to find themselves in the same position i did where they grew up in the church and they thought that if when they went off and they made a mistake that it's easier to hide because you're not here. But that that was some, you know, that that was going to sever that tie. You are now no longer the mascot, so you are nothing. Right. It was kind of this all or nothing thinking. Yep. Tell us just a minute about um, uh, the college program, what it's called, why it's called that. and Yeah, so the gap is what that's called. Um, Papa Todd, again, you know, I owe a lot of stuff to him um, because he was my youth group leader back in the day. And he made a comment one time that 18 to 25 is the number one group that gets that just falls off of the church. Um, and I saw that when I went to college and I was I did start looking for groups like when Tyler and I got together, I really was able to revitalize my faith. And I went out and looked for these places with the help of him Um and they didn't do anything. And my biggest thing was do something for these kids. They are falling off. They're feeling worthless. And you're not doing anything. And so, you know, I wanted to figure out how to fix that. And Tyler um, actually was the intern here um, around the time that these kids were in high school. And so when we decided to come back and we realized that those kids that he got to intern with 
were in college, um, it just seemed like a natural fit to basically pick up where we left off. And it's funny, Tyler was a good intern, but he is great with the Gap Group. Yeah, that's that's where he shines. And I think it's a similar concept, right? Um, had we not had each other to hold accountable, um, it may have been a different story. Again, if I hadn't been with him and God was like, okay, you wanted your husband, here he is, Yeah, you know, then I may not be here right now. And so just being able to use our stories um, and our experiences to help those in that 18 to 25 age gap. Um, and we call it the gap. Bryson, my brother, actually came up with that. Um, and it just fit because our theme last year was bridges and we're building them, but we're still forgetting about that gap of that age group. And until we acknowledge the gap, we'll never be able to bridge it. We won't right. realize we need a bridge. Right. So you only build a bridge when you realize. Yep. Well, space. and we do so much with the youth group and then they turn to college and you're like, all right, bye. Have fun. We're not in a college town, so we can't do anything for you. Yeah, good luck. And you don't realize that there's actually a lot of kids who are college age that aren't going off to college. They're doing online school. They're in community school. They're working. And even if they're, even our kids who go off, when they come home, nobody prepares our 18-year-olds for how weird it is to come home on mm. breaks because right. home has changed mm -hmm. and they have changed. Mm -hmm. And when you come home for Thanksgiving, you don't have your old friends, or if you do, they're not quite the same. Right. Your relationship with your family is weird when you come home on spring break because now you're back in mom and dad's house and you've been used to living on your own and it's just everything's weird about coming home. Yeah. Uh, and I think offering the stuff and, you know, a lot of them, Tyler, Tyler loves it because Tyler is like this, but they're last minute people. You know, he's like, they're either going to come or they're not. And he is able to handle that a lot better than like I would by myself. <laughs> yeah, I need a spreadsheet. Yeah. And I'm like. Well, I need to know exactly how many people are coming because we got to buy food and we got to do this. And he's like, hey, we're doing this at this time if you want to come, you know, and he asked for a head count, but he's never going to turn somebody away. Um, and so just them having the safety in that of knowing if I show up, I'm going to be welcomed. And I mean, again, you have the youth group and then you have small groups, but a lot of our small groups, I know the last one we did was on parenting. Well, when you're in college, a lot of the times you don't know how to, you don't have anything to do about parenting. Yeah, that's you know? going to be your small group. You know, and it's something that we're looking to continue to expand, um, especially, you know, I'd love to do a small group of um, the gap group and just to get them together and stuff like that. And so it's just an opportunity for anybody that doesn't fit or doesn't feel like they fit um, to come see us because you'll fit in with us. If you want to get involved, just reach out to you, to Tyler. Mm -hmm. um, yes, y'all's class schedule is different than most. You know, most of our stuff's on the quarter, mm -hmm. but y'all's is really driven by when our kids are going to be mm -hmm. home. Yep. Yeah. So I know Tyler, like, and it's what they want. If they want a class, Tyler will make it happen. You know, one of the things, we had a Devo, and something that came about in that Devo was, especially for us women, we don't know how to do things like lead a prayer very well or, how the sausage is made at church. Yeah. You know, how to do stuff at church. Yeah. And just lead, again, prayer or how to do devos and things like that. And so he was like, okay, we'll do a how-to series. And so I know you did a class. Um, I had so much fun with them. I, yeah. They may have hated it. I don't know. But I thoroughly enjoyed They had such cool questions. And like, how do you how do you share a message with somebody? Mm -hmm. yeah. I do for a living. You're really going to let me talk to you about this? <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, it's well, such a cool group. They had Greer, which, you know, um, I think everybody knows that Greer is very, um, what's the word? Leader. His prayers are just amazing. Yeah, like he's just very well-spoken. Yeah. Um, and everybody was very excited to have him in there. And I think he's actually going to do a couple more because it's just he's captivating to listen to and he knows stuff. And, and he's really honest. If you look yes, at his podcast yeah. episodes, so talk about real um, I'm still getting phone calls, and that episode came out in April. Yeah. And positive, 100% positive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've probably referred 10 people to Agape. Oh, so nice. It's just stupid cool. Yeah. So, like I said, I think just, like you said, being real, um, he's one of those that is doesn't care to look good. He wants to be real. And it's better to be good than look good. Yeah. And that's exactly what those kids need right now, just at that age in general. Renee Brown has this book, and we're using some of it for our Burns Family Camp. Surprise, surprise. Mm. The Gifts of Imperfection. And, you know, 
our our world where we try to pretend like we've got it all together. We think that's a gift, but I think it's a curse. Oh, yeah. And giving someone the gift of confessing first, of acknowledging weakness, of saying, I need help. I mean, it's one of the best gifts you can give. Yeah. And just in every aspect of your life, like I was in the master's program for teaching. So I got my undergrad in, Sp- or my undergrad in Spanish and I did two years of a master's program. And the first year I was a graduate assistant. The second year I was on, I was teaching. So I had about 10 hours of observation, not even teaching, observation hours in the classroom. One was in a fourth grade classroom and then one was in an actual high school class. So I had about four or five hours of seeing a teacher teach, knowing I was about to teach. Yeah. And before I started my first job as a teacher. And I remember being in classes with people who weren't doing that. They were just taking classes to be a teacher because that was very um, rare, the job embedded license piece where you're teaching while you're getting your certification in places where they need teachers badly enough. Um, and so I was doing all of my education classes while also teaching. And I was honest with them. I was like, look, y'all, like I'm not a perfect teacher. Here's the things that I did wrong. You know, when we would do presentations, I would tell them, I'm going to be straight up with you because that's the only way we're going to get better. Yeah. And that's the only way that your expectations aren't going to be high and you're not going to feel like a failure is if you know that somebody else has felt too. And so to happiness is low expectations. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Hmm. Well, this has been fun. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for for talking about kind of those paths that you've been on and how Mm -hmm. God, God used some neat people, some neat trips, some neat opportunities to kind of bring you to where you are today. Is there anything else you want to share? No. I mean, I think the only thing is um, I wasn't ready for this um, because to be quite honest, like since having a baby, I have struggled um, just with my self-image and self-worth and what that meant with God, you know, and because I think life obviously is a roller coaster, but my relationship with God has been a roller coaster. Um, And I was kind of, I was down and I was like, I don't really feel like I can talk about this because my, my relationship right now is not great. Um, I had postpartum depression and anxiety with Titus. Again, not something that most people know. Um, I try to be open about it because that's another stigma. Um, I was on medication. It didn't really do much. It's one reason why we moved down here um, when he was four months old was because I needed help. Yeah. Family. Um, I thought it was because Tyler missed me. Uh, well, that I think was his side of things, but I, you know, my side was, yeah, you know, a little more important, but it, and then I remember going back to the doctor and she was like, so how's the depression going? I was like, oh man, it's gone. Um, but I still haven't felt like myself. Um, and I'll say even up until I went, finally went to my um, primary care physician at the beginning of July and I said, I need something. Like my anxiety, I said, I'm not anxious about him dying in a horrible like crash or something like that. Like my son, I'm just anxious and I don't know why. And I'm so tired of people telling me to just pray more or just read your Bible more and do these things and it'll get better. And I was like, I need help. Um, And so he put me on some different anxiety medication and I'm feeling a lot better, you know, and I think it's I'm on the right track. Um, and I think it's just important to know that your relationship's not going to be high all the time Yeah, with God. Um, I saw a thing the other day. It was talking about productivity. And it said, we think that we need to give 100% every day. And, you know, we feel bad if we don't give 100% every day, like at work or whatever. And then it showed kind of a graph of the 100%, 100%, 100%. said, this is what you think. Then the reality is my capacity is not the same every day. So even if I gave 100%, my Tuesday capacity might be 30% of what my Monday capacity was. Yeah. And I don't have to give 100% every day. That's what robots do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a robot. Uh, I should have ups and downs, yeah. and that's okay. And just getting comfortable with that, I think, is... Yeah. Um, I don't... Uh, we probably are going to go another three hours if we go down this road too much. <laughs> uh, but, like, I think sometimes in church, um, I want people to have a good religious feeling mm-hmm. because that's... I want them to feel the presence of God. I want them to experience the peace that passes understanding. I want them, I want us all to have that. Right. 
I think it's okay for us to acknowledge that there are seasons where Mm -hmm. you're up and seasons where you're down. 42% of the book of Psalms are laments, where David says things like, God, are you asleep? God, how long are you going to ignore me? So if 42% of Psalms can be that, do you think it might be okay if 42% of my life is like that? Yeah. Like, I want it to be 100% blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams but that's not realistic yeah and i think you know having a kid again like well and it's one of those things where i can't even get your word like yesterday i left right as you started you know it's like titus knows you know right when you're about to start (laughs) yeah you know and so it's he's he by that point you know it was 10 55 he was he was ready to go, you know. To be and fair, I did my whole sermon in the communion talk. So yeah, well, and I realized that it, it literally was only like ten minutes later. So he would have probably been fine, but I, he was already, you know. And I just hard wrestling kids. Yeah, kids change your emotions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used I never liked it when I saw a news story about child abuse, mm-hmm. but like I would watch it and go, "That stinks." Now I watch those stories and I cry. Like, right. what, what happened to me? What went wrong? Like the Joe Daniels story wrecked me. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I stopped doing jail ministry for a while. I didn't have trouble with all the the drug addicts and mm-hmm. pedophiles and murderers and all that stuff. I had trouble thinking that I could look Joe Daniels in the face. Mm-hmm. And so I stopped for a while until I could kind of wrestle with that. Yeah. That was, there were two or three other reasons, but that was. Well, and James Hinkle, I think, did a, did a um, story on like for his communion talk and he said you know the mother who's trying to wrangle it she's not there i don't remember he said it so well and it just made me feel better because i remember that i was fixing to be at that point and so that sermon or that communion talk just made me feel better it made me feel like i wasn't alone because i was like they get it like it's okay if he's singing during the prayer or yelling out amen to get somebody to finish the prayer like he just we're all thinking it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And so or if he's just getting, you know, antsy or mad and I know that that's not always the case in a lot of churches. Um, and so I'm appreciative to Burns for that because I couldn't imagine doing having this kid at this age anywhere else yeah. without fear of that. Let me tell you a little secret. The sermon is probably the least important thing that happens on Sunday. Yeah. OK. And, you know, I don't care if you don't. I just, I feel like sometimes that's fuel for me and I don't get that because I am wrangling him. And I, and that's kind of where I'm going with the roller coaster and why I don't quite feel like I'm where I want to be with God is because like I just, when you're wrangling that kid, you know, life uh, gets you and, but I know that I'm not alone and I know there's a lot of little kids and if there's somebody listening that doesn't come because it's very easy to just not come. To class because he doesn't want to stay with his teacher, even though his teacher is his aunt right now. But you know he doesn't want to stay. Well, in I know class. her, so it makes sense. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm even kidding. though he loves his Tay Tay, um, and so you know, it, I have to stay in there with him, or I have to watch him because he won't go into class. It's a lot easier to just not come. And so if there's somebody that's listening that is in that same boat and they're not coming because that's something they're worried about, I can tell you now that I am right there with you and. We can sit together, (laughs) you know, and and we can make it work. Um, And and this is a season two where, uh, you know, when you do the five love languages thing, like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were I was physical touch and that was part of Leslie's too. Um, You have kids and there's kids climbing on you, chewing on you Mm -hmm. all the time and you kind of get touched out. Mm -hmm. And so it changes you. Uh, So one thing we have to talk about is how do you um, how do you fuel yourself when the normal ways of fueling yourself don't work? Mm. Uh, in the last few years, like I rediscovered reading fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in my 20s and early 30s, I didn't read any fiction because I didn't have time for that. I needed stuff that's going to teach me something. <laughs> right. Um, but the last three or four years, um, I've consumed probably more fiction than nonfiction. And it has been good for my soul. Running was that mm-hmm. uh, because I go to the, do you have time to do it? No. But guess what? Hey, <laughs> I cheat. Most of the time when I go on a trail run, I go with a friend. Or I go with uh, earbuds and I'm listening to something. So it's like, not only am I getting the fuel for my soul that being outdoors is and exercise is, but also the fuel of friendship or a good book Mm -hmm. or, and so like I've had to start finding the different ways to fuel 
because yeah. the ways I fueled in my twenties, I was even more of a nerd than I am now. And like, wow, you could give me yeah, it's hard to imagine. <laughs> Uh, you know, a book with the Greek and the Hebrew and like, that was just exciting. But I don't have the energy for that these days. Yeah. So uh, I've enjoyed some kids books lately. Yeah. And it's just been so cool. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll grab a young adult just to, because I know it'll be a quick little palate cleanser, yeah. so to speak. Um, and I, crocheting is, was that for me. I picked it up when Titus was about two or three months old. I said, I've got to do something with my hands. Like I, this sitting and contact napping is cute and fun, but I'm just going to be on my phone. I've got to do something productive. And Leslie was candy crush during that season, that that game on the phone. Mm -hmm. So it's just funny. Well, you're doing good. Keep it up. Don't give up. Thank you. Thank you. Do what I can. Well, this has been a fun conversation, friends. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen. And if you hear anything that we said today, um, the whole reason we started this podcast, as you've heard us say repeatedly, is to try to create space for shared story shared vulnerability, and to try to change the the status quo about that. I want church to be the place where you don't have to come every Sunday and say, I'm fine. I want it to be the place where you've got somebody you can say, I don't want to be here today. <laughs> and then she says, you have to, you're the preacher, honey. I mean, you know, <laughs> I want it to be a place right. of honesty, uh, of support, um, in the sort of closeness of relationships that when you're going through that dating relationship and nobody knows, they can tell because they can mm-hmm. feel it and they ask the right questions and do the right things. So that's the idea. Thanks for helping us with that on this journey. Thanks for listening today. And again, if you think it's helpful, I hope you'll share with a friend, leave us a rating, do whatever you're supposed to do with all that garbage. Just just I hope this show's good for you because it's awful fun for me to get to do. Till next time, uh, I bet God's going to do some real cool things in your story and I can't wait to hear about it. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes His love into our stories.